Good morning, everyone. We've got to that um, time of Lent where we're looking this year at prayer. And this morning we're looking at prayer in challenging times. Um, It's my observation that um, everyone in their life anyway goes through challenging times, but in particular, I know no Christian who really wants to go on with God who has not got some element, not necessarily all day, every day, but some element of their life at some point which they can't manage on their own. We need God, don't we? And therefore it's vital to know how to communicate with him in those challenging times. So as I speak this morning, let's just pray together that God will speak to us and apply his word so that we can grab hold of stuff that really makes a difference when the chips are down. Father, when challenging times comes along, we can respond very variously. Some in withdrawal, some in great emotion, some in hunkering down, some in great faith. Lord, we are variable, but thank you that you're not. As we come to um, hear now from your word about how we can hang on to you and how we can pray in challenging times. Lord, would you draw out for everyone here absolutely the right stuff that will give us the promises and the guidance from your word that holds us steady in challenging times. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <coughs> really enjoying uh, being on the newly filmed Alpha course at the moment and um, quite often during the course um, you get little bits of interview where uh, the two presenters have gone whizzing around the world. I I don't know exactly all the places where they've gone and I wish I did Um, but I can recognise though I haven't actually been there Vancouver and New York and Paris and they've been having a great time and one of the things they do by going to all those different cultures is get a load of different voices responding on the street spontaneously to different spiritual questions and that's really good. Um, One of the early questions was what's faith and the most common answer to that around the world was uh, (laughs) it's hard to put into words isn't it Um, what about how and when do you read the bible and people went oh I don't know I skimmed it oh bible no I haven't read the bible bible oh yeah it's really inspiring for me very varied answers but also do you pray and actually Across cultures, I think that prayer is instinctive, especially at difficult times. My infantry officer son assures me that there are very few convinced atheists just before a real firefight. And I can imagine that. Everybody yells at heaven and goes, help God now. And wonderfully, a number of different men in his regiment asked, could they please be transferred onto Captain Ben's lot because somehow or other stuff went right when he was in a battle. And I think, yeah, that's because they had a praying officer. But actually there were probably lots of praying men, whether they knew God or not. 
Now, Amy told us last week, which is great, about popcorn prayers. Those of you who are here will remember that. And uh, she told us that popcorn prayers uh, are not necessarily long, but they are heartfelt. And the example she gave was of the disciples in that sinking boat going, help, Lord. And that's probably the single thing that we might say it comes from the heart in challenging times. So I wonder, when you've been in those tough times, whether you can think of the best comfort that you have had from someone, a person that you have turned to. And what have you, how have you been with that person? I wonder whether you have just sat with them in silence, actually. In really tough times, you may have found that the most comforting thing was someone with whom you feel so at ease that you didn't have to say a thing. You could just be there and you felt the comfort of their companionship. It may be that you wept together. It may be that you're a blurter or that sometimes you're a blurter and sometimes you sit in silence, but maybe there have been times where there's been someone with whom it's felt really right just to say it all. This is what I'm going through. This is what's going on. This is why it's so hard. And they have had the emotional love and stamina to stick with you through all of that. You have felt as if they've really been with you in those times. Or sometimes you say some stuff and it's not that articulate at all and afterwards you might think to yourself, well, that doesn't really make sense. But, you know, it really doesn't matter because their friendship is such that they understand what's going on in your heart, what's going on deep inside you, even though you didn't manage to express it particularly clearly. Wonderfully, you can do all those things with God. You can weep with him. You can blurt it all with him. You can sit in absolute silence with him. You can say some stuff that afterwards you might think was pretty inarticulate. But he knows your heart and understands it all. Accepting silence, words, tears, anything because of his care for you. I hope you know that you don't have to practice a sort of polite prayer in your head about what might be the appropriate way to talk to God when you're under pressure. You can just be honest and real. I think that in challenging times, you have probably an instinct about who you just want to be with. You just know that X would be frankly, no comfort at all to you. But why? Oh yes, you hope they're free. You really want to be with them. Because you know their character. And when it comes down to it, you are drawn, aren't you, to relationship, the right relationship when you're really under pressure. You know that that person will really comfort you kindly. They won't tell you to buck up they won't tell you that there are other people in a much worse position. They won't turn the whole conversation to, oh yes, I remember, and give you endless anecdotes about stuff that has gone on in their lives. And most of all, from my experience, they won't give you a glib answer that is meant to sort you out in the next two seconds. You know the person that you can turn to 
And that relationship in tough times makes all the difference. And that, that is absolutely the same with God. If you can trust God's character, then you know that you can go to him at those tough times. And he will be alongside you wonderfully. In our New Testament reading, uh, God is called the God of peace. And actually, that is probably one of the most fundamental things that we are longing for. Whether you're in depression, whether you're in a crisis, whether there are health problems, financial problems, memories you can't sort out, a future that you can't control, whatever it might be, the God of peace has it in his hands. So we can turn to him and know that he has what we need. Um, Paul goes on, (laughs) very simple stuff, pray continually. That is really vital and wonderful stuff. Do you know, for a while, I I can't quite date it, but I remember there were awful things going on in Bosnia. And um, somebody said to me once, do you really pray about everything? And I said, well, yeah, I do, really. I pray about everything. And they said wonderfully, don't you think God's a bit busy with Bosnia? (laughs) Gloriously. I would be very busy if I were a politician or something and try, or, a, or a general trying to sort Bosnia out. I know it's a very basic thing, but we can somehow think that our stuff is not important enough, not big enough. But if it matters to you, a God who has got the whole world's problems in his hand can still, wants still, to listen to whatever you want to say. So in our two readings today, we've got two different examples of how the Bible helps us with a how-to, really. Psalm 77 is testimony. It is Asaph, a godly guy, in a really bad situation, and he is just telling us what he did when he was really up against it. He tells us that he was in a really bad way and he just, he called out to God, he prayed to God, he blurted out what was going on and how his, God changed his perspective during prayer. Whereas in the Thessalonians passage, Paul gives a very simple summary, a series of how-tos really, of what to do when you're up against it and how to communicate with God. So we've got two different aspects of how, of, of stuff that we can learn. I have found in the toughest times in my life that God has been very, very kind in being very simple with me. I don't know about you, but when I am emotionally under pressure, my brain shuts down a bit. And if God gave me 17 really deep and marvellous points that I had to remember at all times, I would remember point one, probably, at best. But gloriously and Though I may sound flippant, actually, I have been really grateful. God has come and given really simple stuff. But let's not uh, mistake simple for simplistic. God can be simple and profound at the same time. So this morning, we're going to be looking at something very simple, again from Alpha. There's a pattern of prayer that they give there, which is, thank you, sorry, please. We can probably get that. Now, when you're in challenging times, I guess all of us would say that the most natural one of those is please. And we might think that the other two get lost 
for a few months, years. But actually, all three of those aspects are really fundamental, are really key, even in hard times. But as we can see from the psalm, it is pretty instinctive to start with the please. Do you remember in verse 1, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. Here is the psalmist spreading out his problem and spreading out to his own reaction. Verse 2, my soul refused to be comforted. He's in a really bad way. That is a good place to start, as I think I've emphasised, being able to be honest. But then it comes to sorry. And you may think that that's a little bit tough. Paul says, avoid every kind of evil. Well, when you're in a tough place, you might think that it's maybe... God ought to drop his standards a bit. He ought to be a little bit indulgent of you. I'm in a bad way, so I can't be expected to be my best just at the moment. But God, when he says, avoid every kind of evil, and when he gives us sorry, when he gives us repentance, which is one of his most precious gifts, he's not doing it because he's condemning us. He's not looking at our reactions and saying, oh dear, I did expect better from you. He is doing it out of mercy. Because if you're in a tough place, you've got problems enough without also colluding with what the enemy of the soul is trying to load onto you, which can easily be a mix of fear and anger and worry and concern and blaming other people who aren't behaving right to you and all of that stuff. And when we're low, we can easily feel... Well, it's perfectly natural to behave like that. I'm, of course I'm responding emotionally and I'm all over the place. And fear and anger and all that list is going on in my heart. But actually, and it is, that's quite true, it is perfectly natural to respond like that. But is that an excuse? Well, no. Because if we are Christians gloriously, we are not just natural. God has put his Holy Spirit in us so that we are supernatural, so that the resources we can draw on in him enable us to recognize that fear and anger are natural, but that is not our inheritance in Christ, and we do not have to live that out. And so, as the temptation comes along, and it will, we can find that in God we are able to say, I could go into free fall of fear here, but I will not because God has the resources for me and I will hang on to him. Well, uh, let's just up the ante even more. Paul says, your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless. Oh, help. Maybe on your very, very best day, Maybe when life is going perfectly beautifully, you reckon that you're at your spiritual best. You shine and you're charming, you're lovely to everyone, you're grateful to God and you're perfectly lovely. But oh wow, when under pressure, other stuff can come out, can't it? And yet Paul doesn't let us off. He uses this word blameless. Can you do that? No. Gosh, I can't. 
But wonderfully, he goes on, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. It is our choice whether we take God at his word on that. It's not about you, it's about him. Your reactions will be flaky, at a guess. But God is never flaky. So if we believe that he can bring us through hard times, reacting in the same way as Jesus did, then that is all about his faithfulness. So we see, we can start with a please, we can do a sorry, probably continually, and what a gift it is to keep on shifting those wrong reactions and staying with a pure and open relationship with God. And lastly, thank you. Carl reminded us last last week again of an attitude of gratitude and what a difference it makes. In um, our 1 Thessalonians reading, uh, Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances. Not note for all circumstances. Paul doesn't put us in a false position or make us try, have to be dishonest and say that we're grateful for the hard things that are going on. But we can choose to look for God's mercies in those circumstances. Um, I didn't know that we were going to sing earlier the Redmonds, Matt and Beth Redmond's song, uh, Blessed Be Your Name. Um, but I think I'm right in saying that they wrote that together after they had lost a baby. Um, and therefore, and if you know that, and when you're um, singing through that song, and when they say, you know, blessed be your name, when it's all wonderful and great, we can say, yeah, yeah, quite right too. But then they go on and they say, when the darkness closes in, Lord, still I will say, blessed be your name. And then they go on, and one of the phrases is, my heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. So this is looking for something to say thank you for in hard circumstances. Um, two very tiny personal examples, well, examples. One is um, after we lost our six-week-old son, Sebastian, um, as a cot death, um, he died probably around midnight. And um, we didn't find him till six in the morning. And um, I, I think... Obviously, the circumstances themselves, really hard. It was the hardest thing at that point in our lives that had ever hit, hit us. We didn't say thank you to God for his death. But do you know, we were able to say thank you to God for some of the mercies that God surrounded his death with. One of them was that timing. Um, given that he was six and a half weeks old, we hadn't had an uninterrupted night for that time length of time we were pretty tired and God knew that we were coming into a really hard day indeed not just day season but actually that was the first night therefore that we had about seven hours uninterrupted sleep and it was a real help the other thing is that had we gone had we found him at midnight and gone around half past midnight or whatever Quite honestly, the hospital would have been pretty shut down because you don't go to A&E in those circumstances. They wouldn't have known what to do with us. We would have sat in a pretty soulless hospital in Tooting, waiting for the day staff to come on. No doubt, floods of tears in absolute agony, but not able to do a single thing. 
Whereas we went in around, I think, 6.37 in the morning. Day staff were just coming on, and yet it hadn't yet got busy. So we were dealt with kindly, beautifully, by people who had also just had a good night's sleep. We were able to be in there briefly and come home. It was a tiny thing, but it was a real mercy. And another little example popped into my head. I uh, was talking to a friend this week. She broke her neck in a car accident. And for a while, she was immobile, lying on her back in hospital. And there was very little that she could thank God for. But she reached out and she said, I will find, I will say thank you out of choice for anything I can see that is, is, I'm grateful for. And do you know what she said thank you for first? Wall lights. <laughs> There was a huge strip light in the hospital, but actually if they put that on in the middle of the night, it's ghastly. Uh, Whereas the soft light of wall lights was so much gentler. She was grateful for wall lights, even in the enormity of having a broken neck and not knowing whether she would um, be healed. So thankfulness changes our perspective. Because we are remembering his character and we're remembering his previous actions. And you can see that happening in the psalm. I think it's a bit like climbing and banging a whopping peg into the solidity of God when you choose to remember his character and his actions. And if circumstances come along as you are climbing and you fall as you may feel you do emotionally in those hard times, you won't fall the whole way because the peg will hold firm into God's character and God's ways. Um, And you can hear it happening in the psalm. In the middle of the night, and it's always worse in the middle of the night, isn't it? Um, And it says it's in the middle of the night. um, He is in agony. He has completely, as far as we can see, lost his grip on what God is like and who he is. He says, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? I think maybe we can all identify with the fact that normal certainties can seem to evaporate at four in the morning. And the psalmist is like that climber I was picturing, falling off the cliff. He is flailing emotionally and plunging. But then you can tell when the fall is interrupted. The peg he had previously banged into the rock holds firm. He says, and you can hear him getting a grip, Then I thought, to this I will appeal, the years of the right hand of the Most High. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your miracles of long ago. So the first bit is all his own swirl of emotions and thoughts. And then he hauls himself back and says, who's solid round here? God is. I will remember his character and his previous actions. And that's a decision of the will, which by the sound of it, Matt and Beth Redman made as well. My heart will choose to say. So he's not trusting in his own current emotions or in good circumstances, which he doesn't seem to have any of at all. He is trusting in the God who is faithful. The God who does care. The God who will, therefore, having been faithful before, he will come alongside him again. 
Now, our one Thessalonians reading says, hold on to the good. The modern version of that in the secular world would be, you know, look on the bright side of life. People actually do choose that for funerals. As if a bit of cheerful optimism will get you through one of the hardest things that you've ever experienced. But Paul is not saying, be optimistic and stick a fake smile on your face. It means hang your whole weight on God's character and goodness, and you will find that he holds firm. And you can decide to bang that peg, so to speak, into his solid character before things go wrong. And the more pegs you have banged in, you can imagine that that gives you the more security when the high winds get up and you are feeling insecure. I can say that personally. I am so grateful for the way that I had had the opportunity to bang pegs in, so to speak, so that when I felt as if I had no, frankly, no strength left emotionally or in any way under pressure, nevertheless, I didn't fall because God was solid. After Emily died, I found that I I really didn't manage to pray very much, certainly not in an articulate way. I just sort of lent. It was like just hanging on to that rock. And all I remember saying to God is, I will hang on to you. Uh, No, you hang on to me until I can hang on to you again. Because I don't seem to have, as it were, any strength in my fingers. But you hang on to me until I can hang on to you again. And that is a great help when you may be beyond words. A journalist, knowing just how much pain and distress and agony Mother Teresa of Calcutta witnessed around her every day, said to her, when you pray, what do you say to God? And she said, nothing. I just listen. And he said, oh. Well then, what does God say to you? And she said, nothing. He just listens. At our deepest, darkest times, accept God's wordless love. It is the most wonderful comfort to know that your God knows your circumstances. He knows your reactions. He knows all that you are going through and just what you need. And he will never fail you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for these simple, profound pegs that we can find solidity in when they are banged into your character, into your ways. We do have reason to thank you, not just in our own lives, but over what we read in the Bible of how you have always treated your people and what you've done in the lives of those around us. We see your faithfulness. Lord, we choose to thank you, even in hard circumstances. 
And Lord, also we bring you the pleas that is going on in so many hearts. We bring to you those things which are really hard. And whether with words or without, we bring you our hearts. And we pray that in your mercy and tenderness, you will bring your comfort to hearts that need it. And bring all those who lean on you through these dark times to a dawn of knowing more uh, joyfully again your hope and your comfort and even your joy. In Jesus' name, amen.